Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Electronic Dance Money. <laughs> my name's Christian. <laughs> Mike's here with us. Oh my god! Sorry. Great oh, cold open. Oh. Great cold open. It was a we're, great. We're opening. keeping that. It's a great opening. I've been gaslighting Mike for the last four <laughs> weeks, six weeks on our intro, but that's okay. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's funny. Okay, Mike, why don't you give us the rundown on what we're going to be talking about today? Because this was actually a really interesting thing that you brought to my attention that I've heard of before. I I think I actually might have heard it on another podcast, um, but, but you were talking about actually making this into a full episode ourselves to present for some EDM producers, and I think that's a pretty good idea. So why don't you uh, kind of take the reins here and talk... Let us know what we're going to be talking about today. Well, uh, so I think I think I mentioned this last week or last episode. I, I can't remember. Um, and it's this concept called survivorship bias, which is like a really interesting analytical and statistical fallacy that basically helps you realize and use logic to have a better understanding of what's going on in many situations. Uh, it can be applied in business and law. And there's also more practical applications, like in the military. Should I, should I just run down what the survivorship bias was like, really built off of? Yeah, d- definitely. Let's let's get into it. So, I think it was in the end of World War II. It was um, obviously the Axis and the Allies were fighting for uh, <laughs> a history lesson here. So, wow, this is this is brutal, but. Um, The Allies are bombing the Axis in Germany, and basically, if you are flying a bomber over a lot of anti-aircraft guns, you're going to be shot down, because that's a very dangerous task. So the U.S. Army basically said, we don't want our bombers being shot down, so how do we reinforce our airplanes so they don't get shot down? They go through a whole bunch of statistical analysis, they get their... Their trial runs back, and bombers come back, and they have holes in, like, very specific areas, you know? Holes at the end of the wings, the wingtips, and then the uh, the rear... What are those called? Like, the, the tail fin? That, there's, like, holes that in the tail, tail fin. That works. Stuff like that. And they're like, oh, so we must reinforce the tips of the wings, the tail fin, because those are coming back with the most bullet holes. They present this argument to a a doctor or an engineer or statistician. I can't remember what he was. I think he's a statistician. Probably Alfred Wald. Alfred Wald or Wald or something. Yeah, I think he's German, so probably Wald. So he defected from um, either Germany or Austria, and he said that the U.S. Army's like upper command was wrong in their analysis in how the planes were coming back with damage on the wingtips and saying. This is what we need to reinforce. And basically his theory on that was the planes that don't come back are the ones being shot down 
And the ones that are being shot down, you don't see the damage on those planes. So what he ended up deciding was that the planes that had bullet holes in the fuselage and the cockpit are the planes that are being shot down and not coming back, which you would never know because there was never any damage on planes that came back there. And basically, on that principle, they reinforced those areas and less bombers ended up being shot down. Yeah, survivorship bias is a fascinating concept. When you, it's, it's, it's almost like you... Well, I guess this is why testing is so fucking important. And survivorship bias is found in so many areas with, especially with marketing. Like I'm working with this client right now who had this other guy marketing his track last year at the exact same time that we're starting to market this track. And it was all done with social media ads and with, you know, on Facebook and Instagram for the most part. And he, um, he was really successful with this marketing guy. They got their, they got his track in a really good spot. Um, his cost per click was extremely low and they reached a ton of people for, he spent a good, good amount on the budget, but I, I was pretty shocked by the results that he had. And so he, this client brought me in. Uh, to he, he wanted me to kind of mimic what he was doing or 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 get the same results. Um, he doesn't have as much resources as he did last year, and he. So, so I was like, okay, let me take a look at the campaign and see what we can do to kind of mimic it. And we were we we started mimicking it almost exactly as it was. Um, it, and the the campaign started failing. It was not. Do, I mean, we were targeting, I tested so many things, uh, targeting the same audiences, which targeting the same audience helped a bunch using almost the exact same content, using almost the exact same copy, um, using the same placement, everything. And it still was failing and it wasn't doing as well as it, it as it was last year. And so I, I started to, especially after we started talking talking about survivorship bias you and i i started to look at the campaign i was like okay something's wrong here like just because sure this campaign worked and and the reason why that campaign probably worked at the time is there's so many different variables right and stuff you can't see stuff you can't see i don't i also don't have a lot of the data that this guy has and so i can't just duplicate this and be like it's gonna work the exact same way you're gonna get the same results that's never how marketing ever works almost across the board. So I I was trying to explain this to that client where I was like, this, this is not, there's no way to predict whether or not this is going to work in this way or that way. Or if we spend the same amount of money that it's going to work the exact same way, there's no time. All we can do is test and truly find out what works. And once we do enough testing and find what works, we're good. And we're getting to that point, actually, as I'm still working with them. And today, I think I, fo- I found a br- breakthrough. And really where the breakthrough was, was, was in the audience. All of a sudden, within hours of me changing up the audience type, the uh, cost per click, like it, it went down by almost 100%. His click-through rate almost tripled, I think. So it's like, okay, now we're heading in the right direction. So 
and I'm using a completely different uh, um, creative or you know different video than we were using than he than he was using uh, on the previous successful campaign. So I mean, this is a great example of like. Well, sure, we can, and, and you know, obviously, marketing is different than planes coming back from war. But this is, this is the, I think, this draws a, a a stronger point to the importance of testing, especially with marketing, especially with producers, especially when you're marketing your track. Where it's like, just because this one thing was successful, sure, we can mimic certain parts, right? We are gonna learn that okay, this audience works a little bit better with this style of track or they respond better with this type of content or they respond better with this type of um, landing page design that can all we can you we can take a lot of that stuff and be like, okay, we definitely want to include that because those were the most successful parts. But you can't just come outright duplicate the exact same thing because there's too many variables um, and and almost never do the same marketing campaigns work through and through exactly the same. Yeah, I think um, a lot of cases, a lot of people uh, in business or marketing, they'll use the phrase ceteris paribus, um, with all else be equal. And there's just no way in those two scenarios you can ever line up, you know, perfect circumstances in that situation. And uh, I think that is relatively consistent with all all fields honestly even music production and i think um on another hand survivorship bias also can be looked at a different way where if you're presented with uh, a problem sometimes the solution you see isn't the solution you know so sometimes it's uh you need to reverse engineer it or sometimes you need to do the opposite of what you see yeah, well, that that comes that yeah, I think that goes full circle with especially with what I'm talking about, where it's like just because something worked for someone else does not mean it's going to work the exact same way for you. And this plays extremely true to um, some examples that we have in our notes, which is you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, they both dropped out of college. Steve Jobs too. They dropped. They all dropped out of college, and they're. I mean, all three of them have built the most successful businesses in the entire world. So why why don't I drop out of college? And let's see where that gets me. Yeah, that does not. That does not mean that you're going to be successful because if you look at the data, the the results of people dropping out of college are it's heavily weighed against them that they are not going to be successful. And many of those people are not successful. Um, now, I mean, success can be subjective to each person. So we could argue about that all day if we want. But if we're just strictly talking about the means of like building a successful business or building a successful big career, right? Whatever success means to you. If, you're, if your measurement of success is where Bill Gates is or Mark Zuckerberg just because they dropped out of college does not mean that is going to work for you. Fuck so, it. Let's let's talk about it in a net worth sense. You go to college, you do two years of college, you pay sixty grand or you put sixty grand uh, of debt onto your name. You drop out of college, you're like, I'm gonna start a business. You are at negative sixty, bud. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's not even necessarily so much that it's over, but it's going to be a lot more difficult 
depending on what the business is to like, if you need a loan from the bank, they're going to look at you and go, you didn't complete college. You took that loan out that we gave you and you haven't paid it back fully. Why would we give you uh, another loan for a business when your track record says you're just going to give up on it. So it's like there's there there is a there is a point to be made that just because something worked for someone else doesn't mean it's going to work this way. And we can point this back to this marketing client that I have where it yes, you were very successful in that other campaign. That does not mean especially cuz they're a year apart, a lot happens in a year. That does not mean this campaign is going to be just as successful or mimic the other one, even if we copy everything. And I think this is I think this is similar to producers who might be looking at other producers who went to, you know, a specific production school. Nightmare went to uh, Icon Collective. So I should go to Icon Collective because I'll be just as big as Nightmare or I'll turn into the night. No, that doesn't mean that. You know, or Jaws. Same with Jaws. He went to Icon. That does not mean that you will be Jaws. Um, I know a guy who went to Icon, and he DJs the local Thursday pub. Yeah. So, you know, same with... Now, I'm Mike knows this. I'm one to shit on FL Studio all day. All day. Uh, All day. I'm not a fan of FL Studio, but I won't tell other producers, except for Mike, to stop using FL and and that it's a terrible DAW and you're not going to be successful. I would be wrong to say that. I would be completely wrong to say that you're not going to be successful if you use FL Studio because I don't like FL Studio. Or if another bigger producer says you shouldn't use that DAW because it sucks, I use this DAW and look at where I'm at. That's not the fucking case. Almost every... every there, there's been a massively successful producer in just about every single DAW. So that completely breaks the point that if you use this DAW, you're going to be this good of a producer. The only one I can't think of one for is Reaper. Reaper, maybe like Bitwig or, you know, the obscure... Yeah, like uh, obscure main... main. Yeah, and even then, I, I would bet we would probably find that there's a producer out there that was like, yeah, I produced this track and that. So it's like... I you could probably find someone somewhere that is relatively successful that had success on a track that was producing an obscure dot. Like I'm sure it's out there. I mean, you never say never, but but I, but this really drives home the the point that you everyone's story is different. You can't expect that if you mimic someone else's pattern of success that it's going to get you the same results sure you can test it you could try it and see what happens but that's the point of this episode is that you're not going to know unless you test but you're also not going to know if other things will be successful if you don't test them yeah i honestly the the most real example is if you're an edm producer a music producer you cannot be like another producer. If you want to sign to those big record labels, if you are producing music in the style of Martin Garrix, you will never land a track because they'll be like, this is a Martin Garrix ripoff. And if you don't they have... Ha- like, they already have Martin Garrix. Why right. would they... Like, yeah. why do we want more? Yeah. Like, because we already have 50 million streams on one song. You're going to get 5,000. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And I've now, I've had record labels tell me, 
absolutely not. This sounds too similar to XYZ. And I've had record labels say, this is unique. We want it. And there are record labels out there, too, that would say, oh, this sounds just like Martin Garrix. Let's sign it. But that's a different problem, right? Now you're talking about a record label that's trying to like, mimic and, like, and, and they're not unique. And so everyone they're signing probably isn't really unique. And why does anyone care about them if they're not unique? So, you know, that speaks to a completely different problem. But, um, yeah, this one's this is a kind of short episode, but I think that pretty much nails the whole the whole idea of survivorship bias and how this is really affecting you as a producer in your career. And you might be doing this thing, right? You might be looking at others and trying to mimic their their patterns and what they're doing and their success. And just because it worked for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That one person could have gotten so lucky. They could have done all the things that they did and all of those things could have been wrong and they met the right person or they were at the right place at the right time and then boom, it just all kind of worked out. And that's that's what we call failing into success. And trust me, there's so many businesses, there's so many people that fail into success um, that it's it's kind of shocking that they're still like successful, but people fail into success all the time. So don't look at someone else and say, oh, well, they're doing this, so I should do that. That is not the fucking case. You got to really think clearly about your plan, test it, test other things, um, talk to other people about it and figure out if if what you're doing is the right move. And it might not be. That's OK. That's that's fine. Just you have to f- test it move on to the next thing, test that, move on to the next thing until you find a winning thing that works. Yeah, got to look for the uh, the right play. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Well, Mike, I think that's about it. You got anything else you wanted to touch on? or No, I mean, short and sweet to the point. So it's a cool yeah. concept. Definitely recommend people yeah. look into it. Um, not, not a lot of information on it, so it's cool to like interpret your own, you know, impacts it has on uh mm-hmm. everyday things cool yeah stuff. and we'll we'll put the links in the show notes especially with um who alfred wald is and more on that study that they did um during world war ii so you guys can get some more information there's a great podcast that you had sent over mike that was an idea for this episode so we'll put that in the show notes as well but that's about it mike i'll talk to you later man yes sir yeah